Happy New Year, everybody. I want to talk to you today about one of the most important things in life, vision. You know, some people say that New Year's Day is just another day. It's not a big deal, but that's not the way God sees it. God is a God of new beginnings, fresh starts, do-overs, next levels, glory to glory. In fact, in the book of Genesis, he actually says that he created the worlds with with seasons, days, months, and years, a seven-day cycle a 30-day, 31-day cycle, a 12-month cycle. So I want you to take this new year, this new day of a new year seriously. And I want to talk to you about vision because you cannot live without vision. You can exist, but you can't truly live. Like, let's say your marriage. Well, you can, you know, most of us are like, I want a marriage where there's mutual respect and we have joy and love and honor for one another and we have you know, our goals are the same, our vacation goals, our financial goals, our parenting goals, or you can just exist, just be roommates. It's lifeless. Do the same thing with the career. You can say, you know, I want the company I work for to be better because I'm there or the company I own. I want to be able to use it to be a blessing to the world. Or you can just go to work, punch in, punch out and just exist. You do the same thing with your school. I I want to learn as much as I can so that I can make a difference in life. Or you can just say, I just want to get through and just exist. You can do this with any area of your life. You can do it with your physical health. You know, I I want, I want my body to be healthy and strong so that it can serve me and God's purpose for my life. Or I just, you know, want to exist, just want to get by. And uh, so vision is the power that propels you forward, especially through tough stuff. You know, uh, what you do is your work. How you do it is your way. But why you do what you do is your wind. You've got to have that wind in your sails. That's what gets you through the hard times. And so today I want to talk to you uh, about vision. But here's the great thing about a Christ follower. You get supernatural vision and supernatural wind. You see, for the one that is following Jesus... You don't say, hey, God, here's my vision. Now fulfill it. I'm so glad you're on my team. That's not the way God rolls. It is, hey, God, what is your vision and how can I be on your team? That's how we follow Christ together. I want to encourage you also not to be afraid of God's vision for your life. So many people won't pray that prayer. Hey, God, what is your vision and how can I be on your team? What's your vision for my life? They're afraid that God's vision is going to be something that they're going to hate, uh, something that is going to ruin their lives, going to rob them of their joy. That is a, that's a trust issue right there. You see, being able to pray that prayer, God, not what is my vision for my marriage or for my kids or for my money or, or whatever it might be, uh, what is your vision, uh, that is the litmus test to whether you trust God or not, to whether God is good. I want to encourage you not to be afraid of God's will, because here's the reality. If you will make your vision God's vision, that is where your true purpose is going to come from, your significance, and there's going to be rewards waiting for you in heaven. I also don't want you to be anxious about trying to figure out what God's will is. God's not going to hide his will from you. How can he require you to fulfill his will for your life, but not reveal it to you? And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at a prophet, um, Haggai. The prophet Haggai in the Bible was just distraught about his country, about the economy, about the church, 
about the justice system. It was just, he said, there's, right, there's no righteousness flowing in the streets. There was oppression and there was robbery and thievery and, and, and uh, you know, leaders that were not leading well in any arena. And so he basically said to God, God, here's the situation as I see it. And here's what I think you ought to do about it. However, that's not where he left his complaint. And this is what I want to pick it up with you and I. After you and I are able to say to the Lord, what is your vision and how can I partner with your vision? There are three things you do after you make uh, that request. Number one is listen to what he says. Look at what uh, Haggai did. He says this, I will stand my watch and I will set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. Isn't that interesting? You see, the prophet knew, here's my perception of life, and here's what I think ought to be done, but I know God's perception is always superior to mine. It's always right. It's always broader. It's always wiser. You see, God, like, He, he operates like, if you know, you haven't been caught in traffic. I'm sure you have. And there should be, there's no reason for the traffic. It's not rush hour, but it's all backed up. You're like, man, what's going on up there? And you kind of turn your car to the left to try to see around the car in front of you or to the right. And then you see this traffic chopper up in the sky. You're like, oh man, they can see a lot further than I can. They clearly know what's going on. Or a weather forecaster, right? It's like, well, I wonder what the weather's going to be. Well, these folks are in business to be able to, project, to, uh, to see what the weather is going to be. And then they tell us what the weather is because they all the, all the uh, weather instruments or satellite, right? Use your GPS, you know, take the second right. It's like, how do you know that? Well, because it's an eye in the sky, right? Well, God is above all of that. Let's look what the scripture says about God. In the book of Job, it says, For he looks to the ends of the earth and sees everything under the heavens. Now, wouldn't you rather have his perspective than yours? We're at ground level. We can't see beyond our nose. We don't know what the next five minutes is going to bring us. But God knows everything. And here's what I have found that God does with your vision. One, he will expand your vision so it matches his. If you'll go to God and say, what's your vision for my life? Here's my vision, God. What is your vision? Like when I was in business, you know, I was making like 10 sales a week. It's, that was okay. I thought, you know what? I want to stretch myself. I want to, my goal was 50 sales a week. But you know what I did? I went to God and said, God, what is your vision for my business? You know what he said to me? 200 sales a week. I was like, what? You see, when you give your vision to God, he will expand it. And that's exactly what happened. 200 sales a week. It was supernatural. And that's what happens with your vision. When you give it to God, he expands it and it becomes supernatural. Remember, I said you can have supernatural vision with supernatural wind. Um, what about the disciples? Another example. The disciples, their vision for their life was that Jesus, the Messiah, would restore the kingdom to Israel. They said in Acts chapter 1, they said to Jesus, when are you, you, you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Because they were under Roman occupation. They wanted their independence back. And Jesus basically responded to them and said, massive paraphrase here, oh yeah, the kingdom's going to be restored. Oh, awesome. And you guys are going to reign and rule with me. Oh, that's awesome, man. That's great. Yeah, but I'm not just talking about Israel. I'm talking about the whole world. 
And I'm talking about the powers of darkness. In fact, there's going to be 12 thrones in heaven, one for each one of you. You're going to reign and rule with me forever. See, God will expand your vision if you'll give it to him and allow him. What about Abraham? Abraham's going to the, uh, to the Ur of the Chaldees. He and his father uh, and their family were traveling, and they went to the Ur, Ur of the Chaldees. Well, that's where they were going to live. Well, the uh, square miles of Ur was 200 square miles. That's where they were going to live. But then God appears to Abraham and says, hey, if you will worship me, I will expand your vision. What was God's vision? The land of Canaan, which was 6,750 square miles. How about that? Right? (laughs) See, you give your vision to God and he will expand it. The second thing he will do, if necessary, is he will exchange your vision so that it matches his. He'll either expand it to match his or he'll exchange it. Like with Moses. Moses was a shepherd. 40 years. This is who I am. This is my identity. This is my call in life. This is what I'm going to do till I die. And God says, how about we trade that in and you become a deliverer of my people and take on the greatest political power on the planet? Yeah. How about that? See, he exchanged his occupation from a shepherd to a deliverer. What about David? David was a teenager playing the guitar, taking care of his dad's sheep. That was his identity. That was his career. He was going to be a a, a sheep herder. God says, how about you be the greatest king Israel's ever had? Or what about Peter? Peter had his fishing business, right? That's what I do. I got my business, have my partners, and this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. This is my career. And Jesus said, how about instead of catching fish, you catch souls? And of course, we know the end of that story. What about Saul? Saul was a persecutor of the church. Jesus exchanged his vision and he became the apostle of the church. What about Zacchaeus, right? He, he was, a, he was a, a greedy tax collector. He was a, a, a tax collector and Jesus transformed him into a benefactor. Well, he became one of the biggest givers in the New Testament. You see, he may expand your vision or he will exchange your vision into something greater. What do you think he will do with you? Whatever it is, I promise you, you will not trade for less. This is what people are afraid of. I give my vision to God. I let Him dictate my future. Let Him give me His five-year plan for my life. I'm afraid I'm going to trade down. You will never trade down with God. It will only expand. This is what Jesus said. Then calling the crowd to join His disciples, He said, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your way. You must give up your way and trust him. Take up your cross and follow me. Again, I want to remind you, you don't make your plan and invite Jesus into it. You ask Jesus, what is your plan? And you get invited into his plan. He goes on to say, if you try to hang on to your life, you're going to lose it. This is a promise from the son of God. But if you will give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world? So your vision comes to pass and then you die. What is it if you benefit? What benefit do you get if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul or your divine calling? Not fulfilling your divine calling. That'd be devastating. Is, it, is anything worth more than your soul, Jesus says? So I want to challenge you at the beginning of this year, the first thing I want you to do is ask God, what is your vision? 
and then listen to what he will say. Secondly, what did he tell Habakkuk? It's Habakkuk, not Haggai, all right? Different prophet. We're in Habakkuk. He tells him to write down what he says. Look what the Lord says to Habakkuk. Then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. Now, you may not think this is important. Like I heard what the Lord said, I don't need to write it down. Look, life is going to happen. And you are going to just, I mean, it just comes at you. It gets confusing. Uh, you, you, you forget what the Lord said to you. That's why he says, write it down, make it plain, make it clear so that he who runs can read it. It needs to be short and clear so that when you're running through life, you remember what the Lord said to you. Like think about companies. They do this, right? Uh, I'm going to give you a little test here. What company says, just do it? You got it? What company says 15 minutes can save you? I bet you can finish it and you know the company. Not for those of you over 50. Have it your way. What company is that? You see, these slogans are more than just slogans. They are powerful, right? It, it, it gives you clarity on what you're supposed to be doing with your life. And you write it down so you memorize it. You look at these protesters. They have their signs up like this. It's a very quick word or phrase to communicate what they're about you're not protesting you're prophesying you're writing down what god has said to you so that you can look at it with your eyes this is so important the lord tells us over and over and over in the bible to keep your eyes on his vision for your life look at it read it memorize it keep it before you look what he says to moses now moses uh, was leading god's people into the promised land and God's vision for his people was to be a holy people, a people that had a different moral, ethical code than all the peoples that were going to be around them. And he wants to protect them so that they can run their race with him. And so he said to Moses this in, in the book of Deuteronomy, and you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on the forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. The Lord knows that the pressure, the persecutions, the trials, our own uh, human desires, our lusts, our greeds, our fears are going to take us off track. He says, write it down, make it plain, and read it every day and memorize it. This is what he said in the book of Proverbs. My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. And again, in Proverbs chapter 4, my child, Pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Oh, did I just read that? I just read that. I just read that. I'm going to read the other verse. Proverbs chapter 4. My child, listen to me and do as I say, and you will have a long, good life. I will teach you wisdom's ways and lead you in straight paths. When you walk, you won't be held back, and when you run, you won't stumble. Take hold of my instructions. Don't let them go. Guard them, for they are the key to your life. And finally, here's Joshua. 
He's about to go into the land of Canaan. There's going to be battles. There's going to be wars. There are nations there that are not going to give it easily. Same with God's vision for your life. It's not going to come easy. You're going to have to fight for it. You're going to have to stand your ground. You're going to fight those battles and win. What does God say to Joshua so that he can be successful? Joshua chapter 1.8. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you're sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all that you do. So the first thing you want to do today on this first day of the year is listen to what God will say to you about his vision for your life this year. Secondly is write it down. Make it plain, make it clear, and meditate on it all throughout this year. And thirdly and finally, do what he says. James says, if you're here only and not a doer, you deceive yourself. It's a pipe dream. I mean, you just tell people what you're going to do. You can tell people what God said. You can even tell yourself what God said. But if you don't do it, it will never come to pass. And so this is what God said to Habakkuk. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but that at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Here's what I've learned about God's vision for your life, what he will do. He will give you a macro vision and he will give you a micro vision. The macro vision is something you can't you can't do anything about today. I mean, you can't bring this to pass, right? Like uh, I had people that have uh, been prophesied, you are going to preach to stadiums filled with people. That's the macro vision. He'll give you a glimpse of it. Or he'll give you a clear picture of it. He'll give you desire for it. You know, I mean, you see it. But what do you do today? Do that Bible study that he's given you leadership over. Or that one person that he brings to you to disciple. Or maybe he's given you a vision that you're going to give millions to the poor and to help ministries and to give out, right? What will he give you today? The micro vision. Tithe, on the, tithe 10% on what you're making today. Or what about you're going to lead a global compassion ministry? You know, like, you know, like the mercy ships. I mean, you're going to be like a mother tree, so you're going to be helping hurting people. But what about today? Have compassion on your neighbor who's sick, Right? Or you're called to ministry. And uh, it's like, I know God's called me to ministry. I'm called to full-time ministry. I'm a, it's been prophesied over me. Great. What do you do today? Help set up chairs. That's what Stephen and Philip did. Stephen and Philip in the book of Acts chapter 6. Right? There was, this, there, uh, there, there was uh, thousands of people that were not getting bread in the daily distribution, widows. And so they said, we need volunteers. And so Stephen and Philip or two of the seven that volunteered. All they were doing was passing out bread to widows. But what happened next? The next thing you see is Stephen is doing signs, miracles, and wonders. You see, he started with a microvision and it turned into a macrovision. Philip, same thing. He was passing out bread, just helping administrate. There was the first deacons in the New Testament. But then it says that Philip became an evangelist. And an entire town came to Christ when they saw the miracles that Philip was doing. You start, God gives you a macro vision, but then you start with the micro vision. I have seen macro visions ruin people. They get prophesied over. You know, they're serving in the church. They're setting up chairs. They're breaking down chairs. They're, they're serving in, in behind the scenes ministries. And they're fulfilled, 
right? I mean, I'm doing my part. I'm on the team. And then they get prophesied over of this, you know, grandiose vision that may be from God. And then what I see them do is they, they lose the value of the little thing they're doing right now. And they just sit back and wait for this grand vision to take place. And we don't realize that our lives, your life, is built by one step at a time, right? You don't jump to the top. I was uh, the hospital with Hope a couple weeks ago. We were there for a week, and uh, I started taking the steps because I was sitting in the hospital all day long. And I thought, I got to get some exercise. So I started taking the steps. Every time I'd go down to the cafeteria or go down to the car, I'd come back up, I would take the steps. And I'm going to tell you something, <laughs> steps are hard. And so I'm going up these steps. I'm thinking, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take steps. I'll stay, you know, I'll, I'll stay healthy. And I'm going up. Man, the first flight, whew, uh, get on the platform. The second flight, get on the landing. The third flight, right? the fourth flight, you get on the fifth flight. I mean, those steps start getting hard. But what they did at the hospital really helped me. When you get to the landing, they have a phrase written on that wall right there. And this was one of my favorite phrases. It says, with every step, you are strengthening your heart and body. It, it really helped me. And that, I read that and I thought, that's right. The next step had purpose to it. The next step had purpose to it. The next step had purpose to it. And that's what God is doing with you. You have this grand vision, but it, it, it comes to pass one step at a time. Don't despise those small steps because that is what's building you to the fulfillment of the vision. And so Jesus says it this way regarding the reality of this coming to pass. In Luke chapter 16, 10, he says this, if you are faithful in little things, every little step, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you're dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. People say, oh man, if I had a million dollars, I would definitely give a hundred thousand to the church. Well, what are you doing with the $10 that you have right now? See, Jesus stated a fact here. If you're not faithful in the little that you have, you will not be faithful in the much that you have. He said, but if you are faithful in what's little, the little thing God has you doing right now, Jesus says, you will, that's who you are. You will be that way with the large stuff. And so the little steps are so important in your life. You know why? God is watching your faithfulness. He's given you a little something to steward. And he's seen what you do with it. Will you be faithful with what's little? If you are, look what he says next. In the book of Matthew 25, he says, His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Jesus made it very plain that if you will be faithful, he'll show you this macro vision but then he'll give you a micro vision. He wants to see what you'll do with that micro vision. What's in your hand today? He's watching. And if you'll be faithful with the little steps, eventually he will open up the macro to you. Joseph was faithful. Great example. He was faithful in every little step. If you know the story of Joseph, he, uh, was, he had, God gave him a couple of dreams, macro vision of the future. And yet, uh, it didn't come to pass overnight. In fact, it took 20 years. But wh what was Joseph like? One, he was faithful to his parents. 
because his brothers were off doing something they shouldn't be doing, and Joseph told his parents about it. He was faithful to them. Then he sold into slavery, and he became a, a, a house manager in the house of Potiphar, and he was faithful as a slave. Then he was falsely accused and thrown into prison for two years, accused of rape. He was falsely accused. He was faithful in the prison, and he was made head over all the prisoners. And then, in one day, he was promoted. The macrovision came to pass, prime minister of Egypt. But you see, those little steps all the way there, each one of those were crucial. His faithfulness was crucial. And look what the Bible says in Psalm 105 regarding Joseph. Then he sent someone to Egypt ahead of them. Joseph, who was sold as a slave, they bruised his feet with fetters and placed his neck in an iron collar until the time came to fulfill his dreams. The Lord tested Joseph's character. One translation, it says, the word of the Lord tested and refined him. You see, the testing isn't just to see if you pass the test. Testing is like testing metal. And that is God has developed character in you. Why? Why is this so important? Because if Joseph, if, if Joseph became prime minister, like God gives him these two dreams of this macro vision, if that came to pass the next morning, he would have been way too immature to handle that macro vision. And so would you be. And so would I be. You see, those steps are developing character. See, if your goal is to get to the top uh, of the floor, like when my wife was, if that's my goal to get up there, and I'm taking one step at a time, I get up there, I didn't just fulfill the vision. The vision fulfilled me. You see, as I'm taking those steps up, and I'm going through these hardships and these trials and these disappointments, but I keep going, I'm faithful in the little, even when it's hard. By the time the macro vision happens, guess what? You didn't just make the vision. The vision made you. God needs you to go through times of trial and tribulation and suffering and hardship and disappointment to cleave to him, be faithful to him, so that when you are promoted, you have the character to handle the weight of that glory. This is what happened to David, anointed king, next king of Israel as a teenager. But it took David 15 years to become the king of Israel. And yet he had the character when it was necessary. The same thing happened with the Apostle Paul. Jesus appears to him as the resurrected Christ. It was 15 years before Paul's ministry started. Abraham, you're going to be the father of many nations. Macro vision. took 25 years for that to come to pass. But here's what's great about what God did with these guys. With Abraham, remember writing the vision down with Abraham? He told Abraham when Abraham was, was, was wavering in his faith, he said, look at the stars, right? He said, look at the stars. That's how many kids you're going to have. So God gave him that visual, right? God wrote, God wrote it down for Abraham in the sky. With Joseph, he gave him two dreams he would never forget. With, with, uh, with David, he anointed him. The prophet anointed him with oil in front of all his brothers and his dad. He'll never forget that moment. With Paul, he knocked him off his horse. We'll never forget that moment. That was the vision etched in their heart and their mind so that they can make it through the tough times. Here's the hardest assignment. I'm going to close with two more things. We'll come to a close here. Haggai's assignment was the hardest one. Just wait. Do nothing. Don't try to make this come to pass. That's what Abraham tried. When you try to force the vision and push it and try to bring it to pass faster than God's timeline, you're going to produce a problem. 
Abraham produced Ishmael, right? So now he's got two nations because when the promised child came, now he have a, had a, a nation from a child that was not God's will. And now God's promise comes to pass and he has a miracle child. And Abraham's like, oh, uh-oh, yeah, you don't want uh-ohs in your life. But the hardest assignment is to wait, be patient, don't force it. Don't try to bring it to pass before it's time. You're going to create a mess. I can't hear you right now, but can you say amen? (laughs) Yeah, you got to wait. God says, be still and know that I am God. And then the last thing, and this will really help you. Sometimes it's not what you do that moves you toward the fulfillment of God's purpose for your life. It's what you don't do. This is what the writer Hebrews says in the book of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. He says, we must get rid of everything that slows us down, especially sin that distracts us. We must run the race that lies ahead of us and never give up. Here's a question I wanted to ask you. I'm going to actually ask you a few questions, but here's the first one. What is slowing you down? What is slowing you down? What do you need to get rid of? This is a great time to do it. This first day of a new year, what do you need to get rid of? Maybe you need to delete some apps from your phone. Maybe you need to put some boundaries on your screen time. Maybe you need to remove some junk food from your house and put in some healthier food in your house. Maybe you need to develop a meal plan. Or do you need to eliminate some less important things so you can make room for the things that are truly the most important in your life? There are some good things you can do on the side of heaven. But sometimes good things get in, the, get in the way of the God things. You see, there, there's nothing wrong with some of the good things, but they're taking up your time and your resources and your energy. You've got to make room for the God things. So here are three questions that I want to ask you as we close. And as I ask you these, I want you to ask yourself these questions. I want you to invite the Holy Spirit into them. In fact, if you'll jot these down, maybe on your phone, if you... I want to take these notes down or grab a pen or a pencil and write these down on a piece of paper and spend some time with the Holy Spirit on these three questions. And I think it'll make a huge difference in the way you live the next 12 months. The first one is this. What is God saying about his vision for your life? Are you listening? And are you willing to obey? I like what my wife says about this. You have to be willing to hear no. If you're not willing to hear no, you're not willing to hear God's voice yet. Remember, don't be afraid of what he'll say. He will expand your vision or exchange it for something greater. Secondly, are you being patient with the fulfillment of God's vision for your life? Are you trying to bring it to pass in your own time and in your own strength? Are you pushing? Are you forcing it? Or can you wait on God? For his time and in his way. And then thirdly, what little things can you be faithful in today that will lead to greater things tomorrow? What can you actually do today that is one step toward the fulfillment of that macro vision? And remember, you don't make the vision. The vision makes you. I want to encourage you as you do this, that you get a partner. That's what connect groups are for. You got to do this together. 
There's no way you'll fulfill your vision by yourself. God always puts you with the team. That's what, that's what connect groups are for. That's what small groups are for. You've got to have two or three or four or five or six people that know God's vision for your life, prophesy God's vision into your life, encourage you when you want to throw in the towel, pray for you, and you need to do the same thing for them. You need to run with a pack. I encourage you to run with a pack this year. And if you would like, you could email me uh, the answer to those questions. You can email me your vision, the macro and the micro, and I'll pray over those. And if you do that, you know what I would like to do? I would like to send that back to you in six months. You know, it's not a pass fail, but just so you can see your progress. And I promise you, I will pray over what you believe is God's vision for your life. I'll be your prayer partner. You can send those to me, John GPC 1000 at gmail.com. John GPC 1000 at gmail.com. And I promise I will pray over those and I will believe God with you. So let me pray for you for this new year. Jesus, thank you so much for those who are a part of this sermon right now, listening, believing. Lord, I pray that you expand their vision or exchange their vision. I pray you put wind in their sails, supernatural wind. I pray, God, for those who are watching and listening to this right now, that they will exchange their vision for yours so they can live a supernatural life in 2023. I bless you, and I bless your year. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for watching.